Father, we thank you for another day, another Sunday that we can come into your home, into the church, and that we can lift our hands and we can worship you. We thank you that we get the opportunity to come and incline our hearts to you. We pray that these moments not be squandered, but we take full advantage of the time that we get to come and give ourselves back to you, the audience of one. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew. So ushers, will you um, guys come forward to your posts and get ready to take up offering? Um, and as they do that, I want to invite Jacob Walton, uh, Haley Caldwell, and Catherine Case, if she's here, to come up. So uh, over spring break, the UJ spring break, we um, had the opportunity to go out to New York um, on a missions trip. <laughs> and um, it was a really cool experience. And I was born and raised in New York. So I thought going back was going to be really easy. I didn't think that I was going to have to adjust to anything. Um, but I had never been in that capacity. And so going back, we um, had the opportunity to first go into a time of prayer, intercession, receiving, reading the word of God to prepare before we went out into the streets. And um, it was really cool what God showed us about ourselves during those times and just the parallels that he would show us from scripture and going out to minister to people. Um, one of the things that I wanted to go out and do was not simply go out and press, press, press Jesus down people's throats, but to show him through our actions and use words when the time was right. And so we got some amazing opportunities to speak to people, to minister to people, to pray to people, and, um, and to see some pretty wild and amazing things. And um, I, want, I wanted for uh, Haley and Jacob to just share a quick 30-second like, um, summary on how that went for them. Um, so just like sharing is a very big, like, uncomfortable part in my life I don't like talking in front of people and so pushing him pushing us to share and everything really got me out of my comfort zone and it showed me who I am in God and who I can be if I push a little more so I can relate to Haley on that um, I'm not much of a people person I don't really like talking to strangers but so something about mission trip that when you're just out and about, just being spirit-led, it's a way you can just overcome those boundaries that you set yourself. You can overcome those insecurities, those fears. And there's just a concept of just allowing the spirit to lead you and tell you what you say. And that's just honestly an amazing experience. So yeah, overall, um, the message that I got was during those times when you go out and you are pouring yourself out. I know that we expect to see big change in that moment. We want to see God come in and move in a mighty way in the moment. But do not discount the waves that he's making in your life when you come back to your home and you start doing the same things in the mission field of everyday life. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Josh. And college students, remember that uh, the college has a group every Sunday morning at 930. Josh is our 
director of our college ministries here. All right, so children that wish to go to Children's Church, you're dismissed out that exit right there. And as uh, the children depart, I have a few praises to share before I introduce who's going to preach today. A couple praises. Uh, Celebrate Recovery celebrates four years of ministry this Friday night. Let's give CR a big hand. Yes, a lot of you are involved in that. So this Friday is the fourth anniversary. You may want to come out for that big celebration. Also, Great Exchange this past Thursday, 60 gospel conversations, seven professions of faith in Christ through that outreach. So we rejoice in that. One of our youth leaders this week led a 21-year-old uh, former friend to Christ, spent two hours with him, led him to Christ, and so we celebrate that as well. All right, then we have in our midst, where are Andrew and Allie Jenlat? Our newlyweds just joined in the marriage Saturday a week ago. Y'all stand, please. Congratulations. Celebrate with you guys. By the way, ladies, she uh, was a roommate with my daughter, so if you want to get married, just be a roommate with my daughter, and then it might just follow you right there as well. Well, today I have the privilege of introducing Pastor Shannon Hayes. He's our pastor of Connections. He attended Covenant Seminary and Bible College. He's been married to Kathy for 32 years, two adult sons who are both single. He's looking forward to a daughter-in-law or two. Uh, Before coming to Living Hope, Shannon pastored for 17 years. He served as an elder here since 2014, and he's been with me on three of my four trips to Africa. So, so thankful for Shannon being on our staff team. I'm going to pray for him, and he's going to come and bring the message today. Father, we thank you and praise you for just the haze. Lord, I thank you for this family. What a blessing they have been and are to Living Hope. And now, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and anoint Shannon as he brings the Word. We thank you, God, for the Word of God. We cherish it. We value it. Your Word says that to him who is humble, contrite of heart, and trembles at my Word, to this one I will look. And I pray that we'd be that kind of people today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. Thank you, worship team, tech team, all of those behind the scenes. It's exciting to serve at a wonderful church like Living Hope. It's exciting to be able to, uh, to preach today. We're getting ready to uh, continue our study uh, of the true, uh, true Christianity, uh, the real deal. And um, we l- grew up a little bit last week. Uh, this week, we're going to uh, kind of figure out if we love the world or we love the Lord. So if you don't have a Bible and need a Bible, we've got some guys in the back that would love to bring one to you. Just raise your hand and say, I don't, I'll take one of those. All right, we've got a few guys back here. Thank you uh, so much. What a wonderful day to be at the Lord's hi- in the Lord's house, isn't it? Amen. So if you'll turn with us to 1 John chapter 2 as we continue... Uh, this uh, study, uh, this preaching through the book of 1 John, what a, uh, a tremendous book that challenges us. And a few, uh, few weeks ago, Pastor David asked me to, uh, to study out this passage and uh, got to be challenged through myself. Do I love the world? Do I seek out loving the things of the world? And we think of things we have and uh, do they take precedent over what the Lord is doing? 
and uh, we just have to kind of evaluate ourselves. And so there's a test. Today I called this the test, um, but we'll get to that in just a, a few moments. But if you want to, uh, if you found your place there, I asked the Fresh Wind guys, I speak there on Wednesday morning, I say, if you're there, say you're there. And if you're not there, say, I'm not there yet. Now, we wait. <laughs> and then we all get there. So um, you find yourself here in 1 John, uh, 1 John uh, chapter 2. And uh, I always like it. Uh, I know I don't want to do our exercises this morning, but let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's holy, infallible, and errant word that we get to uh, enjoy and let it transform our lives. Verse number 15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray one more time. God, we thank you. We praise you for your word that challenges us and encourages us and helps us to, uh, to prove our, our true Christianity living out of our lives. And God, I ask you right now to remove my stammering tongue and fill me for the task that is at hand before me. And do within me that's impossible within this, this flesh alone. And God will give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it. Let us make a decision today of who we shall serve. And God will give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. For it's in the magnificent and wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So as we come to this, we, we think of uh, last week, um, we, were asked, we were studying about growing up. A spiritual child, a spiritual young adult, and a, uh, a spiritual adult. So what category do we find ourselves in, or are you a child of God? Today would be the great day to put your faith and trust in Him, and as we, we look at your, uh, God's Word and allow it to, to speak to us, we uh, think about the test that comes when we read this passage. We just came from growing up, now that you're grown up, how are you going to live that out? How's that going to look in your grown-up Christian life? I remember being a child, I, I, I like acting like a child. I like acting young. My son asked me periodically, he said, he tells me periodically, act your age, and he finally explained that to me because I wasn't acting my age when I was doing something, and uh, it was a joke, but, um, but it, uh, it, it's just a, sometimes in our spiritual realm, we've got to act our age. I mean, we've been saved a long time, if we have been, or we've been saved a short time, we need to start growing up and acting our Christian age. Now, I'm going to have fun when I'm, I'm doing something. I'm going to enjoy it. One of the things I said to myself right down there, said, we are going to have some fun today. We're going to have fun looking at God's Word and allowing it to change and transform our lives and allowing it to do something in us that we cannot do within ourselves. So as we come to this passage, we, we know that John, that wrote the Gospel of John, and he wrote the uh, first, second, and third John right here, and now John is pinning 
don't love the world. Well, what did he say in John chapter 3? He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through them might be saved. So what does that mean? If he says, God loves the world, but we're not to love the world. So let's look at a couple of things I've pinned down here. He said, God loves the world. God's love for the world is a holy love of redemption. We are not to love the world with a a selfish love of participation in the things of the world. God loved the world uh, is to save sinners. We are not to love the world to share in their sins. So what God created is good. Because he said all that he created, and he looked at it, and he said it was good. It was very good, some of the things. So as we we think about that, we understand that what God is is doing in our life, this word is, uh, this world and what God created is good and can be used for good, but sometimes it gets perverted. Sometimes it gets misused, and sometimes it gets abused. Uh, a commentator, F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, I'm going to uh, just read from him because uh, he's a much uh, wiser man in this category, so I'm going to bear with me as I read what he says. John mentions the word six times in these three verses, the world. He mentions the world th- six times in these three verses. And it says, the in, uh, but what is the world? It is the entire system of rebellion against God and His rule, as F.F. Bruce says. Worldliness does not lie in the things that are the places that we frequent. It lies in the human heart and sets human affections and attitudes. It's our attitude toward the world. This is so important. If we, if we don't get this, we won't get the passage. John is not saying the world that God made is bad. But he's saying the way we relate to, uh, to God, what God made can be bad. The way we relate to it, it can be bad. John uh, speaks here of, of worldliness and thinking of the world as the ultimate of what ultimately matters. And uh, God looks at, and we ought to look at God the Father as that He ultimately matters. We, if we're not careful, we put the creation above the Creator. We, we worship the creation and not the Creator and the things. I mean, we, we get up every morning and we go to our jobs to get stuff. Or to pay for the stuff we've already got, don't we? We do that, and, we, and, and if we're not careful, that is our driving force. The stuff is not bad. It's how we handle the stuff that God has created and God gives us. And, and it's been abused. It's been, re, it's been uh, uh, abused by the church. It's been abused by the world. And it's been transformed. But we're going to allow God to grow us up in this. Let's continue reading of F.F. Bruce's commentary. 
It says what came from, uh, what makes the world bad is not the stuff in it, what, uh, what came from God, but how we treat the stuff. We cannot love the world, view it as the ultimate, and love the Father and view Him as ultimate we, the, at the same time. One must come first. John says that that should be the Father. James pens in James 4, verse 4 through 6, He's calling, he says, you adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know the friendship of the world is an enemy of God? Do you not know that the friendship of the world is an enemy of God? Whosoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain that the spirit that dwells within you James has written to believers scattered all abroad. So he's written to believers. So the, the scripture, do you not understand that the spirit that dwells in you yearns jealously? God is jealous of us when we look to the things of the world more than the things of God. And that verse goes on, verse number 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So as we think of that, we need to be careful of what we're uh, doing and how we live our lives. Are they impacting us today? Or are they impacting eternity? Is what you're doing impacting eternity? Does that not mean you can't play sports? Does that not mean you can't be involved in this or you can't be involved in that and you can't do this? No, it's, it's how that uh, correlates to your relationship with God that you're giving Him glory in the midst of it. Is it not good when somebody wins a championship and they say, I thank my God and Savior, Jesus Christ, for allowing me to do this? That's just them taking what God has gifted them to do and, and using it as a platform to touch somebody else's life out there. Wow, they love God. They love God. And so we can take our platform and we can take whatever God has done and God is doing in our life and bring glory and honor to God. It doesn't mean we have to, as 1 Corinthians says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. So we think, well, let's gather in our communion. Let's gather between our four walls and let's have a holy huddle and let's just stay here and do our own thing. But no, he's told us something different to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel and to make disciples of all men. So as we think about that, there's a test that comes to our life. And the test, are you going to pass the test? The test is, do you love this world? The test is, do you love this world more than you love the Father? You know, if, you're not, if we're not careful, and some days we do. Some days we, we do. Some days we, love, some days we love our bed more than we love the house of God on Sunday morning. 
Some days we like the couch. During COVID and then we started coming back to church, I, I told Pastor David I was really enjoying my recliner watching church. I'm thinking about bringing it and setting it over here uh, at that time because I was really had got to where I enjoyed that. I could watch church, I could have church, and I could do, it was a time that our family got to sit and just talk about the Lord, because we'd we'd do church, and then we'd have family church about what we just heard and saw. And and, uh, if we're not careful, we're happy with that, but God said, no, we're to to mingle, we're to go, and we're to do. So the test of our life, if we're not careful, we get a little bit selfish with that. Do you love the world or the things of the world? Paul says in uh, Romans 12, Romans 12 and verse number 1, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. That Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we want the mind of Christ. And Christ loved this world enough to die for it, but he did not participate in the sin there. So he set us an example that he could live in this world, he could enjoy this world, he could enjoy his fellowship with his, uh, with his disciples and with fellow believers, those who put their faith and trust in him, those multitudes that followed him, he had a good time with them. He enjoyed that. And we can enjoy what's going on. We can enjoy what is happening. If we love the world, the Bible tells us here in this passage, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. So that's the test that we face. That's the test that we see. If if we love this world rather than God, then we cannot. It shows that we do not love the world. Matthew 6, verse 24 It says, no one can serve two masters. Man, we like it. Let's do this. Let's live like the world on Saturday night. And let's come to the house of God and raise our hands in worship on Sunday morning. We can't do that. Let's look what this verse says. Matthew 6, uh, 24, rather. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or this world system. You cannot serve God and this world system. That's what the world that's what the word world means so many times. We'll, we'll dissect that a little bit in a moment. But it's talking about this world system of how it has become. And we cannot love God and love this world in that facet, in that way. We look at the, um, look what the world has to offer. We're going to dissect that and look what the world has to offer for us. Uh, in my translation, the New Living Translation, or the New, New King James, actually, is what I'm reading from. It uses the word lust, but the ESV uses the, the word desires. 
but it's the same, same word, and we'll dissect that a little bit in just a moment. Notice the word lust or desires. Uh, this uh, matters so much to, uh, to understanding this passage again, that we, uh, of what we love is what we desire. What we love is what we go after. And then it is the Greek, the Greek word there, and I could kind of pronounce that epithemia. Epithemia, you, you're much better off that you've heard that, right? Uh, epithemia, it just makes us sound smarter. Uh, it is an intense desire for some particular thing. It's an intense desire for a particular thing. It is simply a reference to the deep desire from something, desiring it above everything else. And as some of us are sitting here going, well, I don't desire anything way above, every, by, uh, above the Lord, but sometimes we find ourselves desiring other things more than the things of the Lord, desire above. Strong's Concordance gives us a few words that mean, that gives us a definition of that. It is a, di- a desire of passionate longing. Man, we have passionate longing. We have some dreams of, of things. We have dreams of retirement. We have dreams of th- things we're going to possess or one day we're going to get. We, we have those dreams, but we need to make sure that that dream or that desire does not supersede God, that this world does not supersede God. So it's a, a lust, a covetance. If this is where we, the word coveting, a desire, earnestly, impulse. You know, impulse buying is, it's loving this world more than you love God. And if that salesman tells you today is the only day you can get this deal, you know what the best thing to do is say, thank you, I don't need it. And you walk away. Because if that deal's there tomorrow or next week or the next week, then it's going to be okay. It might have been God's plan. But it's okay to walk. If, if you walk away from something that they say, this is today's the only day, and you don't get it, I don't believe it was God's will for your life. Even though it was the greatest deal possible. So it's a desire. It's something It's an impulse. We do things on impulse. This word is used 38 times in the New Testament. The word desire or lust is translated in different words throughout. So as we look at it, um, as the ESV uses the, the word desire, I've picked out three areas that the New Testament, three verses in the New Testament that use this word in a positive connotation. As we look at it, Uh, First off, in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 15, Jesus' last supper before he goes uh, to the cross with his disciples. Jesus made the statement, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So Jesus is earnestly desiring. Jesus did the same thing that he's telling us not to do for the world, but he desires it in a good good format, in a good situation. I want to be with my disciples. He was getting ready to hang on the cross and die and, and then be buried and then ascend into heaven in a few days. So he, he was getting ready to do that, but he wanted to spend 
those last moments with those he loved. So it's, it's a good thing to earnestly desire. The second one is in Philippians, Philippians 3. These are probably not in your notes. You might want to write them down and look them up. Uh, Philippians 1.23, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He, he's hard-pressed between two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for this is far better. His desire is to go to heaven. Now, is that a bad desire? It's, not, it, it's, it's what we can, we can turn this around and we can use it for good and we use it for God's glory that God can do something pi- powerful and mighty in and through our lives. So the Apostle Paul used it. He desired to depart to be with Christ, but it's far better, it's far better for those that he's ministering to for him to remain here is what he's saying. His desire is to do something different. There are days I get up and I say, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> come quickly. Because I desire to be with you. Get me out of this. <laughs> there is no intelligent life down here. <laughs> Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> so, uh, no, not really. Y'all are some of the most intellectuals I know. Don't you love it? Thirdly, let's look at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 17. It says, since, um, since we were torn away from you, uh, brethren, for a short time in person, but not in heart. He said, we had to leave Thessalonica, but we didn't leave in heart. He said, but uh, the verse says, we endeavor... Uh, Endeavor the more eagerly that we get, uh, that would be great desire to see you face to face. So we have a great desire. He was at the church at Thessalonica, and he was ministering to them, but the Lord had to remove him out for, for, uh, and he said, "I, I had to leave, but my earnest desire is to come and spend some time with you. I pinned a couple of things down here. I said, I said, I desire to spend time with Cassie. Pastor just said we've been married 32 years. My desire is to spend time with Cassie because, you know why? Because I love her. So what we love, we desire to spend time with. If you don't love to spend time with God, you failed the test. If you don't love spending time in God's Word, then you've failed this test. But thank God that we can do it again and again and again. I desire to, to be with godly people. I want to hang out with godly people. And we have to be careful there because it's so much easier just to hang out with godly people. But we have to realize that he's told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we can't just have our holy huddle. We have to go into the world. We'll get into that maybe a little more. Uh, I have a desire. I hope you have a desire to spend time with God and to be at the church. And I'm so thankful of January the 1st coming full time here. I desire to be here. I was, for eight years, I picked up chickens every morning. Dead ones. (laughs) 
I much rather desire to get up and come to Living Hope Church and minister uh, to those around. The desire uh, is great just to be here, to be on the property that God has given us and has, has let us be a caretaker over and the people to minister to. And so we desire those. Let those desires be a good thing. Look what the world has to offer. The Bible tells us here we have first and foremost. I, I like the translation. I'm going to go back. I may read the, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the New Living Translation puts verse number 16 of 1 John. 1 John 1, or 1 John 2, 16. The first part of it is this, for the world offers only cravings of physical pleasure. That's how the uh, New Living translated, translates this word, the lust of the flesh. It says that we crave for the physical pleasures, the lust of the flesh. The flesh has to do with our feelings, our touching, our tasting, our smelling, and even our seeing. It's what we can tangibly get our hands on. It's those things that we can get our hands on and we can reach out to. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, Jesus is speaking a, a parable of a sower who goes out and sows. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 13, and he, he gives us that parable and, he, and then he comes back and explains that parable. There was this one who sowed among the thorns. He said he sowed among the thorns, and he's sowing, he's doing his task, the sower, but some fell among the thorns. Verse number 22, actually, is um, the definition, kind of Jesus explaining what that means, that it sprung up, but then there was something around that choked it out. So let's look at verse number 22 of Matthew 13. It says, now he who received seed among the thorns... Uh, is he who hears the word, he heard the word, but then he said, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word and it, he became unfruitful. So it was like, oh, that's good. That's good. Somebody tells you, you come to living hope and somebody shares with you and somebody tells you that... Um, Jesus loves you and he cares for you and you receive the word. And then you leave and you go to the world and you say, oh, just look at this. And you start entangling yourself with the cares and the affairs of this world. And you say, really, I don't need that. And there's no fruit to bear in that. So that's, that's kind of what we, we see of the lust of the flesh. Then we have the lust of the eyes. The, living, uh, the New Living Translation puts it, the cravings of everything we see. The cravings of everything we see. That we see it, got to have it. We see it, got to have it. I tell you what, our, our entertainment system has figured this one out. Commercials have figured this thing out. I, I, find, I like a commercial sometimes. My family hates commercials. We, they, we mute them and we... If you can fast forward through them, if we're doing something, we do that. But every now and then I'll see a commercial that caught my eye. 
Man, there's a car in that commercial. <laughs> Let's back it up. Yesterday or day before yesterday, I said, Samuel, come here. I backed up a commercial and showed him a car in the commercial. <laughs> so that, that, those things that catch our eye, that we want and we desire to have, someday I'm going to have that. Someday I'm going to get. That's why our eyes are the, uh, I have it. I wrote it down just in case I forgot. Our eyes are a window to our soul. They're a window to our soul that we see it and then we love it. Then we want it. And then we crave it. Then we got to go after it. And if we're not careful, we're doing everything we possibly can to get it, to hold on to it, and to obtain it. And we build bigger barns so we can put them in it. And, and we build bigger shops so we can put them in it. So I have to be careful in that area because we're, we're doing things and building shops and different things on our farm now since we don't have chickens. I have to be careful that I don't get caught up so much in that. So guess who I'm preaching to today besides you? I'm preaching to myself because there are things that I see and I desire. It's those things that you, you crave for everything you see. There is the lust of the eyes of all kinds of evil. I'm glad it's cars and not something else. But tomorrow it could be something evil. It could be an evil desire. Back in Matthew, Matthew 6, 22. This is for, if your eye be, eye be bad, your whole body will be in, of darkness. If when the light is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. But if your eye is bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. So if we're continuing to allow darkness in... Darkness in, we start becoming dark ourselves. Our light gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer because of the cares of this world, because of the cares of this life, because of the desires of things we see and we like. So be careful what you look at. Be careful for what's on the Internet. I was getting a quote for some lights here on the property. And the guy told me, I, I, I share this with you. The guy told me, he said, there's going to be an attachment. And sometimes we send those, it goes to your spam account. It goes to your spam account. So search your spam account. I never go to my spam account because I don't care what's spammed. I don't care. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go look for this. There was all kinds of evil in there. I mean, it was sad what was in there on my computer in the spam account. And you have to go, diletto, 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 diletto. Get rid of this garbage. Because it's there. And if you're not careful, you, 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 it's ever before you. 
you're sitting here just doing your study or you're doing your work or you're doing this and bloop, little stuff just pops up on the side trying to sell you something or trying to do something. And it's there for what reason to catch your eye? It's there to draw you away from what you're focused on. And that's exactly what uh, Satan does. Is he uses your eye to draw you away. There is the lust of the eye for the pleasures and the possessions of this world. I've kind of already talked about that, but uh, Luke tells us, Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 15, it says, take heed, beware of covetousness, for one, uh, one does, um, uh, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that you possess. You know what, you see somebody pull up in a, in a nice vehicle, I use vehicles because that's my that's my vice, I guess. <laughs> you know, you, you, you relate somebody or you associate somebody by what they drive, but it's not about what we drive. It's what about drives us. It's what drives us. It's not what we drive. Ah, Dave Ramsey said, I was a Jaguar. I was driving a Jaguar. I became a Jaguar. Uh, isn't that fun? <laughs> But uh, I don't have any desire for a Jaguar. I don't even like them. But who cares? Uh, but so it's, the th- it's not of the things that we possess, but it's what possesses us. Because that's the thing, is God wants us to have some stuff, but he don't want some stuff to have us. You know, he's okay with us having a few things, but he don't want a few things to have us and control us that we're going to do everything we can. So here, the lust of the eyes, we see it, we covet it, we desire it. We desire it, we keep looking. There is a lust of the eye after other gods. I want everybody to go, and I was wanting to show this, but it kind of came to me a little bit later in the thing. I want you to go watch the skit, guys, and what's the title of it? I'm going to put my son on the spot. Idols, the skit guys, and it's idols. And if you've never watched the skit guys, that's okay. But just the skit guys, they're Christian guys who are just doing videos that try to help us realize. And he said, hey, there's this, there's this group that they paint themselves and they build coliseums and it's showing, uh, it's showing some maybe aboriginal Indians or just Indi- uh, uh, Africans that are painted their body and they're dancing and they're chanting and they're bowing and they're worshiping and it shows things that they build. And then it says, oh, that doesn't relate to you, does it? And then the next thing he said, well, let's just look at it a different way. And he said the exact same thing that he says. But there's somebody there with a cheese head on. There's somebody there with a, a bull's head on their arm. And they're, some, they're painted their bodies, and they build big coliseums, and it shows, I think the Georgia Stadium shows up in there. So don't worship that. We set these things up if we're not careful. Is it a problem to go to a UGA game? No, I love that. But when we allow that, I could call somebody out by name that used to do that for years, and they said, God's first. And they gave it up. I heard an amen out of them. <laughs> so we, if we're not careful, we build idols. If we're not careful, we will put this big box 
that is bigger than our old rooms that we used to have and put it on the wall and we will make sure every piece of furniture in the house faces it. And we'll put that in our living room. We do that, and that's what my living room looks like. But if we're not careful, it's almost like we've gathered to worship at Netflix. <laughs> now you're mingling, Pastor. Now you're mingling. You're just meddling now. But uh, So let's move on. But you, you get the point, right? You've got the point that there are so many things that want to draw us away from God. The pride of life. I continue reading there the New Living Translation. Pride of our uh, achievements or our possessions. Our achievements, our accolades of who we are. If we're not careful, we worship those. If we're not careful, we worship those. The pride of life is self-centeredness. Let's look at a verse in Philippians. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Philippians 2, 3 said, Let nothing be done through strife, selfish ambitions, or conceit, but of lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look not out, not only for your own interest, but for the interest of others. That it's not about you, but it's about what you can do to help somebody else. It's what about you can minister to somebody else. You know, God may have financially blessed your life just so you could financially bless somebody else. We are blessed to be a blessing to somebody else. We are blessed. He, he blesses us to bless others, not just to bless ourselves. Man, I'm really blessed, and I keep all my blessings. I think the blessings will start running out. But when we start, when we, when we take our blessings and put them in our hand like this, our possessions and our things, we, God can't put anything else in. But when we do it this way and we give and give and give, we just learned that back in our uh, generosity giving. But when we open our hands, we can take it out and God can put it in. So come to God with an open hand. And an open heart. Not with a prideful life. Self-centeredness. The next, the thought there is uh, the pride of life means self-sufficiency. It means I can do it. I, I've made it. I built this building. I built this uh, uh, business. I built this farm. I built this thing. I built this. I achieved this. I paid for this. This is mine. I remember one time I worked for Shaw Industries, a carpet industry in Dalton. And somehow something had dropped in one of our conveyor belts that moved the big, huge rolls of carpet. And just to make this uh, short story long, I reached for something and it caught my hand and pulled my arm up through that conveyor. Thank the good Lord that it didn't break it. It just kind of strained a few ligaments. And so I was on leave for a while. And my atheist boss, I came back a few weeks later, maybe a month later. My boss came and he handed me a check and I said, praise the Lord. And he said, you better praise Bob Shaw for that. 
because that came from him. I said, no, it didn't. God just channeled it through him. And so we have to understand the stuff we get is just channeled to us to go to something else. And he didn't understand that, and he never received. And probably under 40 years of age, he died of some kind of weird disease. And it breaks my heart because he was not, was not open to the gospel. He said, if God spoke to me from a tree, I might believe him. I said, he did. I said, he hung on a cross, and he died to tell you. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a tree talking to me. But Jesus spoke to you, and all he did is mocked. So we need to be careful. It's what we possess. It's self, self-sufficiency. I did it. I did it my way, right? There is not, uh, there are not, they are not from the Father, but of the world. They are not of the Father, but of the world. Kind of our last point. Do not lay up for yourself treasures, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth nor rust doth um, destroys or thief break through and steal. But lay for yourself up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy nor a thief can break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Where your treasure is, there's where your heart is. So if your treasure's in your possessions, you need to be careful. The world and the worldly desires will pass away. The good news is And I hope you know this. The good news is those who are obedient live forever. Those who are obedient follow Christ. Those who are obedient live an everlasting life. Not because we're obedient. We don't obtain salvation being obedient. But the area of obedience is first and foremost that we uh, put our faith and trust in Jesus. First and foremost, we put our faith and trust in Jesus because that's what he asked us to do is to believe on him and you shall be saved. That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That follow his commands because they're good for you. Man, I just don't like all those don'ts and don'ts and don'ts in the Bible. Some com- Christian comedian years and years ago said, well, there's so many do's in there. If you just keep doing those, you won't have to worry about the don'ts because the do's will keep you busy. And you'll enjoy them a whole lot better. Love your neighbor. As yourself. Who is my neighbor? Anybody you come in contact with. Go into all the world. And preach the gospel. Can't do that. Well Acts 1 says. After you receive power. But you shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And unto the uttermost parts of the earth. God's going to empower you to do something. We just heard it from Haley right here. I had to get out of my comfort zone, but God did it. God did it. Sometimes we have to move out of our environment to learn that we can do something in our own environment. So you do it somewhere else, then you can do it in your own environment. Disciple. How do you be obedient? A disciple. Our theme this year is to be one, make one. 
how to fulfill God's plan. You just be a disciple. You be a follower of Christ. And then you let somebody follow you. You be one, be a disciple, and you make a disciple. Let's just quickly recap here. I think everything will come up. The test. Do you love the world? Look at what the world has to offer. The world, uh, the world and the worldly desires will pass away. But the good news is those who are obedient to following him live forever. Those who are obedient by trusting in him as Savior, that's where your eternity begins. Eternity begins. You know, eternal life is eternal, right? Have you received Christ? Have you grown from a young child to a young adult to a spiritual adult? A spiritual adult. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful time, this wonderful people today. And God, you've got a plan and a purpose for their life. And God, each one of us, I'm sure, we get distracted on occasion. We get distracted and we get drawn away by the things we look at, the things we see. But God, I pray that you would empower us and help us to focus on what you're wanting to do in and through our lives. So God, as the prayer teams come to the side, you prepare their hearts to minister to the ones who will come to them. And Lord, those that are here in our midst that want to just come down and pray here in the front, Lord, you just draw them to yourself, that they make a new and a fresh commitment, that I'm not going to allow my stuff to have me. I'm going to have it, but I'm not going to allow it to have me. I'm going to put you first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, as the Bible says. I'm quoting this to you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll add all these things to you. So seek him first. So God, as they are seeking you first right now, I pray you speak to every heart. Let us do right now in this invitation what we'll be glad we've done when we stand in your presence on that great and glorious day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Whatever you need to do with the Lord. If you've never trusted the Lord, there's a prayer person on the side that would love to meet with you and talk to you and share with you or come down here. Uh, I'll be down here. Others will be around that you can speak to. Whatever the need is in your life, allow God to speak to you.